Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> it is the 29th of June, Monday. It's been two weeks since my last podcast, and I need to apologize because, oh my goodness, these have been crazy, 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 busy, full days. And my apologies that I just got absolutely consumed with everything that's been going on with us here, which has just been a lot of busyness, actually. Um, a lot of things at work, a lot of things family, a lot of things with my wife's uh, job making cakes, and so it's just been absolutely ridiculous, and then stuff with our Bible study at church, it's just been full, 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 and this was one of those things I had to do a little bit of study on to conclude our time with Cain and Noah and lineages, and I started investigating and researching, and it just, I wasn't ready and then kind of by the time I was ready, it's like, you know what, I'm just going to wait till next week and continue this cycle that way. So my apologies that I'm a week late and a dollar short, but here I am and uh, we're back at it. So I hope you're all doing well. Uh, let's see, just quick note for historical records. Coronavirus is starting to hit again, big time after everyone reopened and now it's spreading like wildfire. Surprise. Again, I... I I feel all my sympathies for all leaders out there at this moment because these are not easy decisions to make. Whatever decision you make, it's a no-win decision. And so, again, I'm not judging anyone in any kind of shape of authority or position of authority right now because I know history will judge them very well. So, all I have to say, let's try to take precautions. I know I've not been taking the proper precautions. I've not been wearing a mask like I should. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to start doing that now. I do have some in the car right now, so if I do need to go out, I can do that. Ugh. In any case, my apologies. And I don't know if masks are even useful or not. I don't know. But let's just ask for God's mercy on all of us. Okay, so... We're back at it. If you remember where we left off, we're talking about violence. Um, And we're talking about Cain. We looked at Hall, the beginning of violence with him, uh, how that started out with this pattern of inequality. And again, inequalities are inevitable. We cannot prevent inequalities. We can try to lessen them, but at some point there is going to come an offense and it may even come from God himself where there's going to be an inequality. At that point, we have it, and then there comes a comparison. The inequality is observed, a comparison is made, and someone is found to be on the short end of that stick. At which point, there is a decision to be made, either to bless and to do good, and to, in the midst of this comparison, not take it upon yourself to rectify it uh, through violence, through death, but and rather to do good and to seek that out, to resist sin and to bless and do good and then knowing that your acceptance will come through that or take the path of violence, which Cain did. And so in this case, the violence was expressed physically against his brother, which led to his death. Uh, but we talked about this other ways to create violence that's not necessarily physical death. You can kill someone in your heart, you can kill yourself, or you can take your life physically as well. So, um, in any case, we see the outlay of this, and then God um, gives a punishment towards Cain, but even then, the punishment is not 
exactly what it would be. It's not a just punishment. It is a different type of punishment. It's not a this for that. There's something else. And so God extends protection upon Cain that whoever kills Cain will be killed seven times and or that vengeance will go on seven times. Cain goes out from the presence of God, uh, goes to the land of Nod, the land of wandering wanders, and then um, has a son, and then he builds a city. And so we talked about the human condition of how this idea of having to restart, to begin again, to commence. That's the idea of Enoch. Enoch is just this beginning again, this like, oh, I'm going to start over again. And then that just leads to this perpetual wandering, even if you're in the exact same geographic space. And that has led to our human condition, even to as it is right now, when we are cut off from the presence of God or when we remove ourselves from the presence of God. And so where does our story take up from then? Now we're going to see two sets of humanity that start to happen as recorded. In the rest of chapter 4 of Genesis, Cain is going to have a number of children who have children who have children who have children. And one line is followed. Um, And then in chapter 5, it kind of says that everything starts over again, or at the very end of chapter 4, it says that Adam knew his wife again. Very biblical sense. And then she brings forth Seth and says, okay, this is a replacement for Abel who Cain killed. Now she's concerned about Abel. And now uh, Seth has children starting in chapter 5 and says, hey, this is the story of humanity. Kind of goes into another creation story real quick when God made a man in his image. It's interesting that this is a common theme in all the, in the beginnings. There, this is how God describes, or how we are described in terms of God. We are made in his image and likeness. This is repeated many times. So this is a very key point. All humans are made in the image and likeness of God. Very well. So, at first when I was going to get into this, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to look in all this genealogy, and I bet there's like all these deep meanings in these guys' names, and you'll see in a second they have names that are very similar to each other, and I bet one means one, and then the other just a little change means something radically different, and it's going to lead all these great deep understandings. That's what I thought, I was like, ah, I better look into this, there might be something here. And so, I was looking around and doing some research, and... Man, I should have just listened to Paul. He says, don't listen, don't get into this whole genealogy bit because, uh, yeah, there's not, uh, yeah, yeah, there's some stuff there, I guess, but it's not like, wow, earth-shattering or anything. It's kind of a waste of time. Um, All that to say, I do want to say that there are some interesting bits here because there is, more than anything else, a great similarity between these two sets of genealogies, the ones that proceed from Cain and the ones that, the one that proceeds from Seth. And they're very, very, very similar in their names. And I'm going to see, I even printed them out for you. So as I'm driving, I can read down and I'll, I'll even give you the meanings of these names as we go so you can get it. And I'm going to try to match this up kind of line by line. Now, these don't match up exactly. In Cain, we have about seven generations. From Seth, we have ten generations down to Noah. Um, A few things to note also before I get into the names is, from what I can tell, most people that look at this, they say, aha, look, the line of Seth, this is the godly, the righteous line. Whereas the line of Cain, this is the evil, this is the worldly line. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Um, I'm not entirely convinced, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's really a big distinction to make, and I'm, I'm actually going to go a little bit different on this. But I think that's reading a lot into it, per se. Um, it may be. It may be. I might, I might be missing something from Hebrews that talks about this, and, and I certainly might be. If I do, please correct me. Um, but I'm not entirely certain that that's really the case here. Uh, it might just be that these are reporting, hey, what happened? Now, there is one thing that, that does distinguish these two lines. One is that the line of Cain, their ages are not mentioned. There's no mention of age, nor is there mention of their age when they have their children. Um, whereas in the line of Seth, they do mention how old they get. They mention how old they were when they brought forth uh, the next in their line. And they tend to be older by today's standards, like we're talking hundreds of years, 100 years or so, 80, 70, stuff like that. Um, so in any case, uh, that's the difference between the line of Seth and the line of, of Cain. But that's about it. So I'm going to go through these real quick, and then we're going to talk about one of the gentlemen that we find in the line of Cain, and then we're going to jump way ahead uh, to the flood and just dance around that real quick, and then we're going to finish up our study of Genesis and violence. Okay, so here we go. Here is the line of Cain with their names. We have Cain, which means to possess, this concept of owning. Um, we have Enoch, and we know Enoch means to commence, initiated, dedicated. We have Irad, which is city of witness, interesting. Probably the first one coming out of the city. Also, fugitive, runner, or wild donkey. Yeah, I know. These, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, Hebrew expert, but man, I can tell you what. There's a lot of... I don't think there are many ones out there because it up with different types of interpretations on this. And that's okay. Uh, we have Mehujail, which means wiped out of God or smitten of God. We have Lamech, which is strong or to be brought low, humiliated. And then he had three kids with two different wives. We'll get to that in a second. And his first one is Jabal, and he's going to be the father of all those who live in tents and are shepherds and raise animals. We'll get to that in a second, too. Uh, his name means stream or flowing. We have Jubal, not Jabal, but Jubal, which also means flow or ram or close to a trumpet. And he's the father of all those who make music and musicians, uh, both with a lyre, A-I-E strings, and also with the flute, different types of way of making sounds here. And then we got Tubal Cain, uh, which means also flow from Cain. These three names are very, very similar to each other, and so they're talking about the idea of flow, like there's a stream or something's like really, really, really wet, and it won't take any more, so now it's going to start flowing. There we go. All right, now, with those names in your mind, it's, it's a lot easier to have this printed out, listen to this line coming out from Seth. We have Seth, which means appointed or foundation. We have Enosh, not Enoch, but Enosh, which means a man, weak but social, the weakness of man. Um, there's some debate about what that really means, but uh, one side note to say with Enosh is that that's when it says in the text that people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, that may be on a good way. It may not be. I've heard some people say it's in a bad way. Most people, I think, say it's in a good way. But it may be this is kind of the formalization of any sort of religious practice um, towards God. Maybe, maybe not. 
We have Canaan, Kenan, which might be similar to Cain. Um, so it sounds similar to Cain, but it means network or compose, like you're bringing strands together. So it's kind of like you're, you're tethering or, or um, weaving strands together. It's kind of like creating a network between things. Um, and it can mean also that within like a strand of rope, or it can also mean something like in human networks. And the name could also mean a dirge or a sad song. We don't have Mehu Jael as in the line of Cain. No, here we have Mahalalel, which means to praise God. It's pretty clear. Then we got Jared. No equivalent of that in the line of Cain, which means to descent, as in coming down a mountain. We have Enoch. We saw that from the line of Cain. Also means to commence, initiate, da-da-da. This was the Enoch that walked with God and was no more. This was that Enoch. Uh, the Enoch from the line of Cain, no mention of that whatsoever. Then we have Methuselah. That's the guy that lived the oldest, as we have recorded here. He's the man of the javelin. Um, and also, it means when he is dead, it shall be sent, or judgment shall be sent. Interesting enough, the year that Methuselah died, that's the year of the flood. Then we've got Lamech, also gone. Also, we saw it in the land of Cain. And then we've got Noah. Noah means rest, as in, and it's said that Lamech said, Lamech of the line of Seth said of Noah, hey, this guy is the one that's going to free us now from this curse that God has given us to work on this earth and free us from all of our our worries and our problems. Thank you, Noah. So, didn't quite do it like he thought it was going to happen, but <laughs> it did happen one way or another. So those are the two lines, and it's interesting to note that there are very much similarities between the names, at least in how they sound, between one and the other. I would like to think that there is a reason for this. I may be completely off here, but I'd like to believe that there's some sort of purpose behind it. Um, what that is, I don't think it's clear from the text. There's a few different ways we can take it. Interestingly enough, the text presents first the line of Cain, and then that stops, and then we're presented with the line of Seth, and then we have the story continuing on with Noah. It does not necessarily follow that one came before the other. It could be, it may not be. Obviously, Cain has got a advantage in time. He came before Seth, and it, and we don't know how long his line lived. Some people are saying, oh, they lived very short lives. Only God's line because their righteous live long lives. I don't know if I buy that. Um, nonetheless, and the line of Cain is shorter, so there's, there's less people in this line. And it seems like it's more possible for the people of the line of Seth to get wind of the line of Cain's names before then. That may or may not have been the case. I don't know. But, but... The most simple and logical reason reading would make me think that Cain's line is is in some ways a little bit ahead of the line of Seth. Now, what does that mean? Uh, I think it's interesting to note that okay, all these people are kind of in the line of Seth aren't really recorded for having done anything. We look at the line of Cain, and they have records for what they have done. Cain built a city, and then we get down to Lamech's children on the Cain side, and they're noted for their advances in different types of things. Uh, we got Jabal, uh, who I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but just to distinguish it from Jubal. Jabal, who uh, is the father of all those who live in tents and raise animals out 
nomading around. It's like he said, I'm done with the city. I'm done with this craziness. I'm getting back out into where my roots are at. Wandering around. Like, <laughs> great, 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 great granddaddy was supposed to. So he does that. And he becomes well known for it. He sets up a thing. He's the father of them. So he sets up a, a trade, per se. Um, we have Jubal, who's also the father of musicians. And so he begins to set this lineup of these musicians that are going to play the flute, play the lyre. He comes up with these instruments. And now, aha, this begins to defound, uh, gets to be spread around all of humanity. And then we have Tubal-Cain, who's not the father of anything, interesting enough, but he was the technology guy. He's the one who starts working with bronze and iron and makes all sorts of implements and presumably weapons as well, because Cain was freaked out. Um, and we see how that goes. Now, the people within Cessline don't necessarily do anything. They just have kids, and that's that. And they say, okay, one of them walked with God and was no more. That's great. Uh, one of them gave special names to the children, in the case of Lamech, for Noah. Uh, and then that's really about it. So, uh, you, you can't... So, if some people say, oh, the righteous don't really get anything done. You know, they're just focused on their families, and that's the most important thing. And these other people, the world of people, they're just thinking about advancing technology and themselves and making names for themselves and da-da-da-da. And, again, it, it's could certainly be. I'm not saying that's not the case. It could certainly be. However, I would like to, to poke at something here, if I could. And, and I think I'm going to go with the presupposition that Cain's line comes first in time and is a little bit ahead of the line of Seth. Um, and I, th- I think, and if I'm just going to say this a little prophetically, and I'm, I'm going to step on some toes here. I'm going to mess with people. I'm going to mess with you. And you're probably not going to like it, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this. So I feel like, especially in our days, if I can bring this to us right now, within, and this has nothing to do with the violence, but I, I just got to get this off my chest. Within the Christian world, we really like to imitate the world, i.e., the rest of whatever is out there. Like, we really like to do it. But we like to take whatever the world has put out there, Christian wash it, and then repackage it and rebrand it and say, yes, this is it. But it's really just the same thing. It's just now not supposedly, quote-unquote, worldly because we took out the swear words or we just say it's about God. One very clear example of this, and I, I know if this blesses you, keep doing it. I'm not trying to say no, but I'm just saying I, I say this because I feel like we can do better. We can do a lot better. But if, if you listen to any kind of contemporary Christian music, if it's even called that anymore, you'll notice, for example, let's say there's some star coming up in the normal, you know, not Christian world. Uh, they have a particular way of singing and typical way of, of their artistry of making music. Within two months, you will see the Christian copy of that. Someone has the exact same voice, someone has the exact same music style, and now they're not singing about love or relationships or whatever. Now they're just singing about God. Boop. But it's the exact same thing, the exact same style. It's just a complete clone of whatever came out in the world, and now it's just like, oh, let's grab that and put that out there. And, and I don't know if these guys in the industry just have this massive Rolodex of people just in the wings waiting. I mean, I feel sorry for all these Christian artists, my goodness. He's waiting for someone to pop up in the world that's kind of like, oh, I think we can make this guy fit to that guy. Or, no, yeah, she sings like this girl does. Call her up. 
get her in the studio. You got two weeks to put out your CD. Let's make it happen. And, and I, it's like, why? Why do we feel like we got to imitate the world? I mean, this is potentially as old as, <laughs> as old can be. But I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Why do we feel like we need to do this? Can't we just be who we are? I mean, it's not like Christianity has lacked in terms of artistic production. Uh, if you have a chance to, ever have a chance to go to the Vatican, you can take a look at that. A lot of stuff's pretty darn original. <laughs> uh, it's not like we have like this, oh, art. Hmm. Nope, never done that before. Really? I mean... There's a long tradition of, of really amazing Christian art going back, you know, thousands of hundreds of years. Uh, so I, I don't feel like we need to just go around and start repeating and imitating that, which it is. And I understand people say, well, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. We, we, we got to do that so we can catch the people in the world and they'll come and listen to our music. Yeah, but trust me, the people, I mean, if, what are you, what are you catching then? What are you catching then? If, if all you're trying to do is say, oh, look, people like blue, so I'm going to wear blue, and hopefully by wearing blue, people will come to Jesus because I'm wearing blue. What kind of silly argument is that? Seriously. You're just catching people that like blue. That's all you're doing. You're not really bringing anyone to Jesus. You're just catching people that like blue. But Paul said he makes everything to all people. Yeah, he did, but he did that in such a way that he could clearly, you know, talk about who Jesus was. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's, if the world is looking for anything nowadays, it's looking for, and probably always, it's looking for authenticity. So let's just be authentic. Let's be truly creative and let's, let's promote that which is truly creative. Uh, there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there that is, is that way. Okay. That's my little rant on there. So let's take a step back. Let's go back to the line of Cain. Uh, let's look at Lamech. Lamech's kind of an interesting fellow in this line of Cain. One, he's the first person that's recorded to have two wives. Apparently everyone before this only had one, and so it's notable that he had two. Uh, Zilla and Ada, I think, were their names, and uh, so he has two wives. Why is that recorded? I don't know. Why is this important? I don't know. But this might bleed into Lamech's personality because Lamech also makes, as recorded, this kind of interesting declaration. He says, hey, for a young man's hit, uh, what is it? He will kill for a wound, and then he will also kill for being struck by a man, or by you, something along that. So he's saying that if anyone comes and hits him, and sometimes the translations in which version you're reading make this like a past tense and some make it a future tense. They say, if anyone hits me, or for one person that hit me, I killed them. And for another person that, you know, wounded me, uh, I also killed them too. If Cain was to be avenged seven times, Lamech 77 times. So here Lamech is saying, listen, someone just came up and hit me, so I killed them. Now it's not just enough, and going back to the theme of violence, that, oh, if someone kills me, then my family will take revenge on me. No, just for a lesser offense, I'm going to increase the level of offense against them. 
If someone insults me, then I'm going to go hit them. If someone cuts me off in traffic, then I'm going to shoot out their tire. Or I'm going to hit them with a baseball bat. If someone makes a comment about me on Facebook, I'm going to destroy their lives and bring up all the dirt and make it public and try to bring them down completely. So we see this idea that's coming up of the increase of, and very similar to what happened to Cain. I mean, Cain obviously had this offense, but now with Lamech, it's it's a direct offense. Someone offends me directly. It's no longer, oh, there's a comparison of based on inequality. No, someone has attacked me, and now my response is greater than the original attack. So if Cain was avenged seven times, I will do it 77 times. This is the typical insecure male that has to go above and beyond with a lot of bravado because all of a sudden he doesn't have the the wherewithal to defend himself and to take an offense and not be driven into a point of even escalating escalating it. Uh, Maybe this is why he takes two wives. He's like, one's not enough. I want two. And then I'm not sure if two was enough. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> from there. But obviously this is a, a type of person that is not content with what they have. They always want to take it to the next level. And so here we can see another source of violence. And we'll get into this later, talking some more psychology stuff. But this definitely fits into it. This idea of, of a low self-esteem that basically brings in a sense of greater violence and greater have to show off and greater have to meet the challenges with even more force and violence than what was brought to originally. And, and this is the type of person that, that is going to bring about even more violence. Now, one last thing to mark here. Uh, 77 times, potentially, potentially, Jesus, later on when Peter comes to him and says, Hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? Uh, and Jesus says, No, I tell you, 77 times. Perhaps a reference to Lamech? I don't know. I hadn't thought about that until I was looking at this and someone pointed that out. I thought, huh, interesting, could be. Um, But here we see Jesus asking for forgiveness for an offense from a brother. So in this case, Lamech is offended by a brother and he kills him. You hit me, I kill you. (laughs) It's as simple as that. And Jesus saying, you hit me, I forgive you. 77 times. Completely different take on it. That's what the next few episodes are going to be dedicated to. So, we're going to leave Lamech behind and keep moving on, plugging away. And we're going to move on to Noah. And we're going to do this very quickly. Um, This is going to bring up the introduction to our next topic for our next few podcasts. So, the population of the world grows. The world is growing. And we say by the time of Noah, we see that the world is filled with corruption. I'm not going to talk about the giants or the sons of God or anything like that or the Nephilim or anything like that. But... God looks down and he says, oh my goodness, look at what's going on here. The world is corrupt. He says the intention of man is now is not good. Everything is just being undone. And he says, I repent of having made man. So he, this is the repentance that comes from a great sorrow of having done something. This is not the repentance of I'm going to return. He, who's he going to return to himself? Um, but he has a sorrow of, oh my gosh, what have I done? Look at this mess. And so people are creating this mess. And then later down, uh, it kind of goes back over it when he's talking to Noah. He says, listen, the world is corrupt and full of violence. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I made a mistake there. Not the world. 
the earth. The earth is corrupt and full of violence. Interesting that he does not make any mention of the world in this case. He's not talking about this, um, the, uh, cosmos. That's not the, that's not the word he's using here. It's talking about the earth, the actual planet, the, the dirt itself is full of violence. It's corrupt. And so he's decided, I'm going to wipe out humanity and we're going to start from scratch here. Um, now, eh, you can say, well, okay, maybe God is doing upping the ante just like Lamech. Maybe he's committing this act of violence by wiping out everything, animals, plants, all of this creation upon the earth, uh, and man at the same time, when maybe he was not offended to the same degree. It could be, it could be not. Nonetheless, I'm, I'm going to take the side of God on this, and I'm not going to question what God's doing at this point. In the next few podcasts, we're going to look into this. Um, so hold on to that thought. We'll come back to this. But that question, is God justified in using violence? We're going to look at that. Um, but God, just to keep moving on this case, God decides, okay, the best, for, the best course forward is just restart. <laughs> we're going to wipe everything out and try this again, and let's see how this goes. Now, um, so he calls Noah and says, all right, I found, Noah's found favor in God's eyes. He's a just man. And he says, all right, build yourself an ark, get all the animals on it, get your family on it, and then I'm going to flood the earth. He does that. Flood comes down. Flood waters come up. Rain goes down. And everything is destroyed upon the face of the earth. Uh, all men, all animals, all beasts, it's all wiped out. And so we see that this flood calls out and destroys everything. Some people say, okay, this is kind of like a, a reference to baptism. This is a cleaning of sin through water. Could be. Um, there's definitely some symbology going on there. Symbology, sim- symbolism going on there. Um, but nonetheless, there is a sense that everything that was done, both with this within the line of, of Seth and the line of Cain, they all get axed. And that's done. So now we've got uh, just Noah and his family in the ark. Waters go down. They come out of the ark. And so now God speaks to Noah again. And he says, very interestingly, um, he basically says, all right, listen, I'm, I repent of having destroyed the earth. I'm sorry I did it. Nope. And now he makes this very interesting statement where he says, ha, 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 I see that man is evil in his inclination in his heart from his youth. So now God says, listen, even if I was to destroy the earth again, that still wouldn't fix your heart. I can go clean the outside, but that's not going to fix the inside. So we can do these external things. We can do even external destructions, but it's not going to change your nature. The nature of man is not changed by the situations from which he comes from or anything from the past or anything from the future. It's there within him. Um, And so God recognizes this. All right, you know, I understand I'm not doing this again because even then that does not fix things. And, And how he's able, you know, God obviously knows all things. But I'm kind of curious what even happened on the boat while <laughs> this was going on. He's like, yeah, no, 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 no. This, this doesn't work. This is, uh, this is not, not doing it. So wiping everything out, 
doing a cleaning per se is not necessarily going to fix the problem. All it's going to do is remove and kick the can down the road because the heart of men is truly evil. From their youth. Maybe not from their birth, but from the youth. They got it. So, what does God decide to do? He says, alright, so now the change is, there is a change here. Because before, remember what he said to Cain, hey, if anyone touches you, I'm going to revenge them seven times. So now it's different. Um, oh, as, as a side note, God says, hey, guess what? Now everything is within your reach for eating. You can eat not just the plants, you can eat even the animals as well. Just don't eat the blood, because that's the lifeblood someone in it. And if you eat the lifeblood, there will be a reckoning for that. Um... I have eaten things with blood in them. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go with John here, and where Jesus says he's declared everything to be pure. All right, everything to be clean. In any case, uh, so that's a different topic for a different day. Sorry I went there. I'll just say, I'm looking at my notes here because I actually have notes. So now uh, what God says is to this, Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it. And from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of a man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For he is the image of God, he made man. This is different from what happened with Cain. With Cain, it was a sevenfold thing. Anyone comes against you, it's going to be revenged seven times. Now God is saying one for one. There's been a change in the way that violence will now be reckoned with in terms of God's eyes. It's no longer going to be, aha, one goes to seven. Now it's going to be one for one. Um, these next few podcasts, we're going to talk a lot about this. And, and really one of the the crux of, the, of this position is, one, does God change? Because we're going to see how God appears to be very violent, or, I mean, it's not appears, I mean, <laughs> there is much violence in the Old Testament, we get to Jesus, and it seems to be something very different, um, so the question is, is God changing, is his relationship with us changing, this is one of the big questions here, but here we see it from, from the get-go, there is the seven, and you can say, okay, well, that's just for Cain, maybe it's not for everybody, and that may be true, but now it's very clearly laid out. Okay, one for one. So for the man, for one man's life, I require the life of his brother. And so that's going to be what's going on here. That that bloodshed is now going to require an equal amount of bloodshed, not more, not less, but equal. Um, so there is a bit of a change here in terms of how things were looked at. And we saw that the inclination of man, like Lamech, is to not take it is to take this one to one and then take it to one to seven and then seven to 77 and then seven to 700. Um, so God now is here putting a limit. He's saying, hey, one for one. We'll see this later with the eye for the eye. It's an act of mercy. It's not an act of, uh, of uh, it's, it's an act of restraint. Let's put it that way, injustice, not an act of extending and exploding justice. So God limits it. You know, he says, all right, listen, I'm going to demand this. I'm going to demand this life, this lifeblood. Um, you can demand this reckoning. Either from a beast or from a man. So even if an animal kills a man, now, ooh, watch out, God's going to demand a reckoning for the animal. Because um, he's saying, listen, at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? What's this fundamental thing that's been repeated time after time after time? For he is the image of God. 
God made man. The most important thing to take away from this is that life is incredibly precious. Incredibly precious. Every single life is incredibly precious. And I don't want you to take that as a political stance. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that God made all people in his image. And to deny that of any people or any group of people is to deny the image of God. And so, um, I'm not going to get into a political statement right now. But what I'm trying to say, because I feel like it's going to be misinterpreted, is that God is saying... Every single life on this planet is important and because it bears his image. And so anytime we mess with that image of God, anytime we mess with that, there must be a reckoning with that. There must be some sort of reckoning that demands that lifeblood that had been taken on the same level. However, God is not wanting it to expand because he knows our hearts are evil. Our desire, our hearts, is to go out and kill our brother. That is what is in our hearts. Every single one of us has that desire to go out and kill our brother. That is there. God said, I see it. It's there. You may deny it. You may say, no, no, no. God sees it. It's there. Deal with it. Accept it. Recognize it. The more you try to deny it, it's not going to go anywhere. You've got to understand. I've got to understand. We all have this within us. God says it's there. Now it needs to be reconciled with the idea that our desire in our hearts to go out and kill our brother is to recognize that our brother is made in the very same image of God. Um, and I think typically what happens is, oh yeah, I recognize they're made in the image of God, but they're coming against me, so I'm going to do a Lamech and I'm going to kill him 77 times. No. We're going to get into how Jesus deals with this later, but let's let's be quick to forgive. Let's be quick to uh, forget offenses and let's be quick to extend love and mercy to that, because that's where we're going to go. So, the next few podcasts, where are we going? Uh, we're going to be looking at this whole question of violence. It's like, well, wait a minute. Does God promote violence? Does he not promote God violence? Is God really a pacifist, or is we're just not understanding things well in the Old Testament? Or is he actually really a total God of war, and he's promoting violence and is wanting to kill a lot of people? Um, and then how does that reconcile with Jesus? Is that still valid, the God of the Old Testament, or is this no longer valid for us? Is God changing? Is this relationship with us changing? Is he always the same? There's a lot of things that come into this, so we're going to be looking at that um, as we go through it. So, keep tuning in. This is getting good. And then uh, after we look at that, then we're going to start applying this to our actual time and day. We're going to be looking at the different topics and issues of our day and applying what we've gleaned from the scriptures to apply it to what we're facing now. As it's very, very, very important in this time, and I know I'm behind. I'm trying to get caught up. So, All right. Lord bless you. Have a great day. It's good to be back. Um, stay strong. Seek the Lord. Do well. Forgive and see that image of God in all those that are around you.